Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. All right, please be seated. We have a long day, so I want to move with the speed of light. God has asked me to preach an unusual sermon. I want to preach on how to glorify God. How to glorify God. You know, and it's very interesting that my spirit was already tilting towards this. And your pastor's wife gave me material, you know, that will buttress this point. How to glorify God. Many times in the New Testament, glorify was transliterated from the Greek word doxazo. I will spell it. Doxazo is spelled D-O-X-A-Z-O. Doxazo. And it means to esteem. Please, what did I say? So listen, this is a spin-off of what we were talking about yesterday night. You have to learn to esteem God in your life. Listen. In literal theological terms, you cannot glorify God. He's, Jesus is glorified, right? But you can glorify him in your life. The fact that he is high and lifted up does not mean he has that reverence in the life of everyone. So, you can render him glorious. You can esteem him in your life. So, as big as God is, he can be bigger in your life. Oh, my God. I said, as big as God already is, he can be bigger in your life. You can give him more room. He can be exalted in your life. Even though he's high and lifted up, he can be high and lifted in your heart. And you do that by prioritizing him. You must prioritize him in worship, in prayer, in devotion, in your communication, in your association. You can make him bigger in your life. But I want to talk about something else. Because when people think about glorifying God, this already comes to mind. There is something that does not occur to people. You can glorify God by demoting other things. <laughs> you glorify God by demoting other things. Keeping them in their place. Only God deserves this high and lofty place in my heart. Keeping them in their place. Keeping money in their place. In its place. Keeping other relationships in its place. I love you, but I Honor only God above all things. So now, your love for God should be so high and lofty that in metaphorical comparison, what you have for other people is hate. So that's why the Bible says metaphorically that except a man hates his father and his mother, he's not worthy to be my disciple. And Jesus actually teaches love your neighbor. So what was he saying? He's saying you should love God so much that in comparison, 
What you have for others is like it because it doesn't even come close. So to glorify God, you must make sure nothing else is competing with that place with him. Nothing else, not money, not any desire in your life. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Some of you already know how to put money in, in its place. But what about pain? Many believers have idolized pain. Because quite all right, God has told them that he's the healer and he is. But you can get to a point where your devotion is all about pain and you don't even realize it. When was the last time you prayed and just worshipped God for who he is, not for what you hope to get from him, not for any healing or anything, just because he's God? Your devotion has become all about that pain and you are sincere, but it's a distraction. And so this is what the Bible says about Jesus. It says, look into Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. This is our example. This is our template. And he tells us how. He says, who for the joy that was set before him. Oh my God. Listen, are you aware that this is an encouragement for us? That the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. And that's our motivation to go through the fire and not be burned. He says, who for the joy that was set before him. Endured the cross. Listen. So we believe in a God who can heal the sick and do all those things in the immediate. But we also know that we have a better resurrection. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the proof that you believe that will be endurance now. You can go through it. And this is not... Telling you not to expect a healing, that will never be a Bible teaching. But your devotion shouldn't be all about it. In spite of it, you should have a walk with God. Say loud, amen. amen. If you are waiting for your life to begin after the healing, you are idolizing that pain. That's what I'm saying. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and then the next phrase, it says, despising the shame. Amatoria, ratongre sapalia. See, pain can be despised. Everyone who went to secondary school in this country knows what I'm saying. Because there's something we call chesters. When they're about to flog you in the presence of your peers, and you don't want to fall your hand, you don't want to embarrass yourself, you pretend like it's not hurting you. And then when they, pick, they, when they flog you, you just go, you know, we call it chesting. <laughs> and you just go, ah, and they're hailing you. Hey. Meanwhile, you, are, you, you enter. We go. <laughs> so it hurt you, but you despised it. Many believers don't know how to do this. There are some others, once they see the cane, before the cane comes, they are already screaming. It's a training in God, learning to despise the shame. He says, oh my God, Christ is your example of that. 
looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of faith. Listen, chances are that what you're going through is not up to what he went through. That's why the next verse tells you that you have not even endured to the shedding of blood. You have not, you, your pain has not reached that. And that makes him a worthy example. You can go through it. Despising the shame, Greek word kataphronio. It means not to focus on it. Ah, my God. I know it's easier thought than done, but it's possible. Some of us, we only see what is wrong in our life. <laughs> when was the last time you were thankful? When was the last time? Have you considered what is working? Have you considered all the other things that, are, that you have going well for you? When was the last time you said thank you to Jesus? Or felt thankful? You, you, you felt thankful about anything? Don't make it your focus. So there are three ways to do this. Number one, take away your focus from it. Take away your focus from the pain. You know, this is a sermon to teach with empathy because, you know, there, there's some pain you have not experienced. It's easy to theologize. But at the same time, this is a teaching in the Word of God. Christ is your example. I may not have tasted the pain that you are going through, but he has. Come on, say loud, amen. amen. Number two, focus on the end. In Christ, every story ends well. In Christ, every story ends well. It's always happily ever after. And by the ever, we mean everlasting life. Number three, focus on God. You know, the Bible tells us a touching story. In Luke chapter one, about Zechariah, the high priest. It doesn't get more sacred than that. At that time, that was... The height of Christian of, of spiritual devotion, of course, there was no Christian at the time. To be a high priest, what do you want to teach him on prayer, on devotion, on hearing from God? He knew it all. But there was a contradiction, or at least there seemed to, there seemed to be a contradiction. So the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 1, from verse 6, it says, And there were both righteous and they were both righteous before God walking in all his commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless but they had no child he's talking about Zechariah and his wife now this is the kind of story that people will look at today and go like why some people look at Christians going through pain and they're wondering why Lord why would they? In fact, some people stupidly will say, well, if such a person serving the Lord fervently can go through this, then 
was the motivation. What do you mean motivation? And that's why this has to be preached. The church needs to remember it's not about things. It's not about things. It's not about money. It's not even about healing, even though Jesus heals and Jesus blesses. There is something deeper about this God. This, this God is longing for a relationship with you. And that's a privilege. Not only is it a privilege, it's a command. You, you don't even get to choose. You've been summoned. The one who created you has summoned you to the place of fellowship. You must respond. You must respond. Even inferior satanic powers. Some of you from where you are from, you know, you might be saying, I want to be a doctor. If the priest says you are the next king. <laughs> or in our lineage, we always choose a priest and you are the next. You might be in the UK, you're coming back. Except God helps you. Are you aware? The same way, when God, <laughs> I, I like the way Elijah called Elisha. He, he wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't give him a pep talk like, you know, you can do it. God can use anybody. He just threw a mantle on him. Bah! <laughs> Follow me. That's, that's, that's a true sovereign call. One of the most brutal teachings in ministry I've ever done. Someone asked me, how do I know that I'm called? I said, you have doubts? He said, yes. I said, you're not called. <laughs> I don't have time to explain that. <laughs> you, don't you don't understand. When the fire hits you, You'll be asking, how do I know? How do I know? How do I know? Have you heard of what the prophet called fire shot in my bones and I could not stay? It's a sovereign command. We lose interest in everything else. <laughs> Nothing in this world will satisfy. Jesus, you're the cup that won't run. Sing it, say. Nothing in this world will satisfy. Oh, Jesus, you're. Say it again. Say, Jesus, you're the cup that won't run dry. Sing it again, Jesus, you're the cup that won't run dry. Say your presence, say your presence is heaven. Take up higher. Say there's nothing like your presence. Take up higher. Yo, yo. Kapale no leba haya. 
You will respond to your destiny in this service. To me, to me. Sing, oh Jesus, say, oh Jesus, oh your, your present. Sing, oh, whoa. Your presence, your presence. One more time. Sing, oh. Sing, oh. Your, your presence. Sing, oh. Jesus. Oh. Thank you, Lord. Thank God's greatness. God's best. But we don't want God's timing. You want to give birth to a child as great as John the Baptist. But you don't know that because John the Baptist's assignment is to be the forerunner of the Christ, until Christ comes, Elizabeth will be barren. You see that? So, the barrenness, hey, let me break your cultural, your, your cultural modes. The barrenness was part of the testimony. It was. Nobody who was barren in the Bible gave birth to someone ordinary. Do you realize? Nobody. Nobody. Some people cannot wait. They now go to the water. And the, you know, and then the water now gives them coconut. You are now wondering why the child does not hear word. What do <laughs> now coconut you born? Don't you? <laughs> you see, I don't know why he does not hear hear word. <laughs> How can <laughs> God's time is the best. In due season, hey, there is something I call it. I call it Kairos. <laughs> God knows how to orchestrate your parts in such a way that your pain will make sense tomorrow. Because not one ounce of energy that you expended in those tears will be wasted. I'm telling you. And it might not make sense for Joseph to be going through all that he's going through. But listen, all that is going through is the pathway to the palace. You can't get to the palace in Egypt by joining a political party. You don't qualify. You're not even an Egyptian. But God at Alemondo Repaya. By the time he gives Pharaoh a dream that nobody can interpret but you. That's what he's doing. What if you knew that your pain will not be wasted? What if you knew? What if you knew that? No wonder the Bible says, count it all joy when you go through diverse tests. It takes understanding to count it joy, to be joyful. You're going through pain and you're joyful. It takes deep spiritual understanding. Count it all joy. 
He said it will produce patience and patience will make you stronger. What a perspective. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But when the time for the answer came, where did God find Zechariah? He was serving. He didn't stop going to church because his wife didn't have a child. He didn't stop serving. He was still in the temple. Do you know what it means? To be serving others. You are making sacrifice on behalf of others. And you are going through pain. God is answering others through you. And you, there is something you need an answer for that has not been answered. Come on, are you with me? Every year, you are the one making sacrifices for people as the high priests. And God is constantly receiving that sacrifice. Whereas you, you, I remember a time for two years thereabout, I had like a dislocation in my wrist. I will lay hands on people. Power will pass the pain, heal them. My own wrist will be paining me. I'm telling you. <laughs> God eventually healed me. But I had to go through it. I'll stretch the hand like this. It was always a scientific mystery to me. How can power pass through this hand? Heal others. And my wrist is paining me. When the healing came, it came right in the hospital. I had done another scan. The doctor looked at it and said, you will have to live with it all your life. I, I said, there is healing. <laughs> when I heard all your life, ah, ah, I said, there is healing. I must have seemed arrogant, but as I left him, I felt a burning sensation in the wrist and the pain disappeared. But that was after such a long time. Thank God I didn't give up. Thank God I didn't just come up with a convenient theology. Um, you know, um, God, are you sure he really heals? Uh, see, I'm telling you, if you believe that God doesn't heal, I don't really have time for argument anymore. <laughs> Am I supposed to beg you? I don't have time for argument. We have many medically proven testimonies in this ministry. I'm not just talking about random stuff, Med before and after. This lady, in the full testimony, the doctor asked her, said, what did you drink? This, <laughs> like, he said, the doctor was saying, I know my job. <laughs> I know my job. What happened? This is the third time a doctor is saying that this year alone, this year alone, that, what, what did you do? Hallelujah. Oh my God. So many testimonies will be born from this meeting. Amen. But you know what is going to make it even more powerful? The fact that you are not waiting for the breakthrough to serve. Ah, yeah, yeah. In spite of it. In spite of it. 
many times we don't realize how powerful the last verses of Romans 8 are. When you look at your future and you say, what can separate me from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or peril or nakedness or so? So I believe that God provides, but even if I'm naked, I will still be here. It's such a powerful declaration. That you, you look at it and say, ah, there is nothing the devil can do that will make me second guess my conviction. So now you say, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Meaning, before the devil even throws his best shots, I, I have had a personal assessment and I know I can take it. When you look at the arsenal of the enemy, and you know that there is no weapon he has that is bigger than you. That's what it means to be more than a conqueror. There is no fire the devil has that you cannot survive. None. You look at your future. It's one thing to look at your future. It's a level of faith to say, ah, the future is bright. You know, and all of that. It's not exactly theological. Jesus assured you. He said, in this life, you have tribulations. He said, but be of good cheer. You have overcome the world. There is a brand of Christianity that, that is surprised when they go through trials. What Bible are you reading? Which patriarch did not go through trials? What have you gone through compared to them? But in all these things, Pataya, we are more than conquerors. Hallelujah. Reboot Camp Port Harcourt. I prayed for a baby here who could not see. I'm told the baby is seeing now. You know, but here is the balance. It's not the balance, but it's just the reality. It's also equally powerful that I sang a hit song and someone was playing the guitar and singing, I have overcome the world, I know, I know. And some of you don't know. He, he's blind. The guy I sang the song with does not see. But guess what? He's as much an overcomer as you are. Because, listen, he has a spiritual inheritance. Do you understand what I'm saying? And he might matter to God more than some people. You know, the Bible says, it is better to enter heaven without eyes than with your two eyes and go to hell. Do you understand? So, if he has discovered his purpose and he's preaching the gospel, he's playing gospel music and helping people discover it, you with your two eyes, what have you done? It turns out he might be seeing more than you. I know my Jesus. If he calls me tomorrow and says he's seen, believe me, I won't be surprised. I'll be grateful, but I won't be surprised. But in spite of it, he's not going to wait for it to sink. I have overcome the world. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what I'm trying to help you understand. In all these things, in all these things, not after all these things, but in all these things, not after all these things, but in all these things, in spite of what you are going through, not after it, but in all these things. No wonder the Bible says, in all things, give thanks. It says, because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. 
And I sense prophetically, for some of you, that's the missing link. I can theologize and explain what might have happened to Job. But the Bible tells us that when Job prayed for his friends, when Job, do you know what it means to still do ministry when you are in pain? Do you know what it means for you to be Job and pray for someone else? You've lost your children. You've lost your job. You are sick. How, how can you in that situation pray for someone else? I'm teaching you a deep mystery of the kingdom. The fact that Jesus, on his way to the cross, he was still consoling other people. See, on the cross, with nails driven through his wrist, he was still thinking about the welfare of his mom. He told John, John, behold your mom. Mother, behold your son. He was transferring custody. How, how could he care about the welfare of his mom? On the cross! He's going to the cross. And women are crying. He said, don't cry for me. You know, how can you be thinking about them at that time with crown of thorns on your head? If you don't know how to do ministry through pain, you are waiting for it to be convenient. You, you've not learned about the kingdom. <laughs> you know, yesterday I looked at a picture and I laughed. My wife and I were on stage. We we're having a panel conversation. It was a relationship talk show. And we were laughing. The storms we were facing at that time. <laughs> the storms we were facing. Before we climbed the stage, you know, so I will tell you what happened quickly. We're going to church. And someone was meant to bring my children later. As he was going, I had a prophetic vision. That something dangerous was going to happen on the road. So I called him back. I called his name. I said, make sure you're not the one who drives my children. You hear me? My wife said, ah, other people may be busy. I called his name. I said, make sure you're not the one. Do you hear me? He said, yes, sir. He went. I opened the door back. Called him again. I said, my children, please make sure you're not the one who drives them. Do you hear me? He said, yes. Now we came to church. He looked for someone to go home and pick the children. Everybody was busy. So he entered the car and drove. Thank God it happened on his way, not when he was returning. The car had an accident and some assaulted three times. So I was right there in church. I was about to climb the stage to preach. They showed me. I don't know the protocol. I don't know. <laughs> of all times, he just said, sir. And then guess what he said? He said, sir, don't shout. Some people, <laughs> he showed me the picture. That car was so damaged, we sold it 150k. We sold it as scrap. But thank the God of Israel. My son, the, the, the person that was driving the car, came out without a scratch. But just think about it, you know, the rush of emotions, all that happened. We sat down, we were laughing. I wish I could show you the picture. Both of us were laughing like this. <laughs> and there was fire on the mountain. Because at that time, he was in the hospital. We were not sure he was fine. What would people say? We knew with this church growth that he's just growing fast. There is something. 
God. I said, Jesus. But he's a faithful God. He's a faithful God. I had two cars at the time. The second car was a gift, you know, and all of that. Very nice car. So someone persuaded me, the car already looks nice, but just bake it again so that the color will pop out. I said, ah, okay, okay. I gave them the car to bake. As the, <laughs> as the painter was driving it back, he had an accident. Car that I've not driven. <laughs> he climbed the Corvette, you know, the Corvette broke the gearbox, the oil leaked out, the gearbox was gone. And then to repair the gearbox, we went on and on. They will put it, they'll say, this gearbox, it does not fit. Some of you know what I'm saying, you know. It's not responding to the computer. All kinds of things. Eventually, we fixed it. And then, I was in Abuja at the time. Bring the car to me. The person who registered the car didn't do due diligence, used the wrong custom officer. So, customs seized the car, took the car to the east. <laughs> so... We had to send someone to the east, you know. We brought out the car with 700,000. As they brought out the car, the person who was driving entered the bomb, something sports. The sensor, the boot stop opening. The door stop <laughs> See, eh? <laughs> I was still going about my duties, thankful. You wouldn't know anything was happening. And then one day I received a message from someone. He was driving, and I think someone scratched this car. So he sent me the picture and said, Sir, I don't know why God is allowing this to happen to me. <laughs> I don't know why God is allowing this to happen to me. See what happened to my car. So I just looked at it and smiled. <laughs> God is really trying, you I wonder, God has different types of children. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. As you spend time worshiping, there will be an avalanche of miracles. Did you hear what I said? And here is the thing. You are not even worshiping for it. You are worshiping in spite of it. Thank you, Jesus. Just worship him. Right there on your seat. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Thank you. Say, Yeshua, Hamashiach, Lion of Judah, Agune Chamber. So, your number one desire today, apart from all the desires that you have, God, make a meaning of my life by your anointing. I want to be a blessing to others. I want to be a blessing to others. I have been so consumed by my pain. Now, I, I, what is your plan for my life? In this service, let there be a fresh oil and impartation for ministry. You said through your servant that ministries will be born. I want to be a part of what you are doing in this day. 
The devil has tried to use pain to distract me. I embrace ministry. I embrace ministry. I embrace ministry. I embrace ministry. Begin to pray right now. This is how we are going to invoke the anointing in this service. Psalm chapter 2. This is the prophetic response to the trials that you may be facing. The prophecy about the Messiah. It says, why do the nations rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves... And the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Saying, let us break their cords in pieces and cast away their cords from us. Verse 4. Everybody read together loud as you can. One, two, go. Say it again. One, two, go. He sees all the plans and the stratagems of the devil. And he's laughing. It's just like when a child threatens to beat you. I'll beat you. You know, and you just smile. He said, that's cute. That's how God sees the devil. Listen, the devil is not the equal opposite of God. The devil is a fallen angel. Meaning at his best, he was the servant of God. So why do you think that God will look at his plans against you and be perturbed and be petrified? Never! He that sits in the heaven shall love! Despite all that you are going through, I'm telling you prophetically, see the Lord laughing. See the Lord laughing. A friend from Ghana wrote the song. He says, See the Lord seated on the throne. His glory fills the heavens and the earth. His clothed with glory. And his clothed with light. See the Lord who seated high above. His glory fills the heaven and the earth. His clothed with glory. And his clothed with light. So see the Lord laughing, hallelujah. See the Lord, see the Lord. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7,000 Blessings